0: About a year and a bit ago, the president of the seminary, Bruce Gunther, and I were sitting on a team together, and uh, Bruce was putting together this process of dreaming and thinking about uh, what this position would look like. And he was talking to me about it, and at one point I actually said to Bruce, that's fascinating, Bruce. I actually know someone that has a skill set that you're looking for. You should hire Keith. And just a completely off-handed uh, comment to him. And so then uh, he actually called uh, later in the year, early this year, and asked for permission to begin a discernment process. And I said yes, because I have the utmost respect for Keith and also for Bruce and for the discussions that they would have together and how it would play itself out. Uh, Not only just in a vocational sense, but also in a sense for Keith of the gifts and the calling that uh, God has given to him. And. Uh, as he equips a broader church for the work of ministry and mission that each of us are called to. And so, Keith, there's going to be lots more uh, to say from people to you as we move into this uh, month, and particularly on the 28th uh, together. But I want to publicly say that I stand with you and bless you in this transition and affirm and know that God will use you to bring blessing to many people in the new role that God's bringing and calling you to. And so we applaud you using your gifts in this way. Well, we are uh, close to wrapping up our teaching series in the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. And uh, it's been titled Messy Church, and we've been going through since Easter and looking at all of the different things that come up in the context of relationships as we live together in community. And uh, next week, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as we celebrate our 10th anniversary Hear from some guests and friends at Jericho, Uh, Then on the 21st, we're going to move backwards a little bit at the end of chapter 11, which we looked at last week. uh, Paul talks very specifically about what it means to celebrate communion and the Lord's Supper together, and so we're going to revisit that passage, and then uh, we've already looked at chapter 15 on Easter Sunday morning. And then chapter 16, we looked at in our previous series in the winter. So that's going to wrap up the book of First Corinthians before we use, move into our usual format uh, for the summer where we're going to be studying the life of David. So as we've moved through First Corinthians, we've looked at all of these different aspects of what it looks like to live together in some of the mess and the less tidy elements of life together. And some of the things that we've bumped up into are not as easy to explore or categorize Together, and so today we're going to be looking at two of those topics as we talk about spiritual gifts. So we're going to explore uh, what Paul says in chapter twelve and chapter fourteen, particularly as it relates to two of the gifts that often are messier or maybe least or uh, understood, and that is the gifts of tongues and the gifts of prophecy. So we're going to pray as we look into God's word together this morning. God, we are uh, grateful for the way in which you equip and you strengthen and you guide us, uh, both individually and corporately. And so we pray you would continue to do that, Father, uh, in this journey. We pray as we look at the gifts that you have given to your church, we pray that you would continue to stir them up in our lives and in our hearts, and that you would continue to use those gifts in ways to make an impact in the world uh, and to further your mission and so we want to say yes and amen to that, God, as we look into your word this morning. Amen. Well, how many of you uh, work at or live in a place of your profession, your vocation, where you have to take inventory? Put your hands up if you have to take inventory at your job. Okay. Yeah, some of you have to do this, where you're looking at everything, counting everything. How many of you actually that you like that part of your job? Only Only Cheryl? Okay, only one person actually likes that part of your job. I worked at a job where we had to take inventory too, and I despised inventory weekend. It just seemed like a never-ending weekend. Uh, It was not always fun. But the purpose of inventory and taking inventory, at least as it was explained to me when I worked for the company that did it, is to rightly assess all of the resources that you have at your disposal to know what's actually in the storehouse or on the shelves so that you can actually be effective with it. And the same thing is true of your life and your spiritual life. Every now and then it's helpful to pause and take an inventory and see what's going on in our lives and ask the question, what resources has God given to me and entrusted me with? that I could steward them well. And so that's connected with two of our core values here at Jericho. The first one is global service, global and local service. There are service. They're often spelling mistakes on my PowerPoint. Global uh, is not one of them. Glocal is that fusion of both global and local, just like we did with the guys yesterday out locally, uh, serving, and then as we do globally with our mission partners and with Teams to Guatemala and other places. Um, global service is walking in obedience to God and actively looking for opportunities that He gives us to use the time and the talents and the treasures for kingdom growth and impact. And so that's part of what we're about here at Jericho. And the other tie-in to our core values is the core value of generous living. And we talked about this in our winter teaching series. But this, as it relates to stewarding well, is committing to live as faithful stewards, willing to cheerfully share what we have with others because generosity is going to touch all aspects of our lives, our friendships and our service, our time, our gifts and our abilities and our material resources. And so when we talk about uh, stewardship and understanding and taking an inventory of the things that God has given to us so that we can use it effectively... There's two kind of basic principles that I want to remind us of that we talked about in our summer series, two basic principles of good stewardship. And the first one is just a principle of assessment, actually knowing what we have and God's entrusted to us because I can't manage something well if I'm not actively aware that I possess it. In retail or wholesale, that's actually the purpose or one of the driving purposes behind taking inventory because you can't sell it or track it or use it or deploy it if you don't actually know that it's in your inventory in some way. But once you possess that knowledge, then it's actually not just sufficient to say, yeah, okay, we have that sitting around somewhere. You actually have to deploy it. And so there's an accountability we learned in our winter teaching series about that, that God ultimately is going to hold you and I accountable for everything that he has given to us. And so we look at places where Jesus talks about uh, being wise stewards or where Jesus says things like, To the person that much is given, much is required. And so on the topic of spiritual gifts, it's important, I think, to lay the groundwork again in those two areas. But this has led the Christian church into some interesting places, some of them helpful, some of them maybe not as helpful. And it's led us, I think, since the 70s into places of what I would call three-tiered thinking around spiritual gifts. And so follow this logic with me a little bit and see if maybe you haven't brushed up against it in some kind of discussion. So the first part of spiritual gifts is the first part of gifts is that God just gives gifts and generously gives gifts to everyone. James chapter one, verse 17, or Matthew 5 verse 45, which says, "The rain falls on the just and the unjust." God has given everyone here. In Langley and in the lower mainland today, a gracious gift of a sunny day, whether they know and acknowledge him or not, it's some part of his gracious and generous gifts to the world. And this is often referred to as common grace. But the second tier is gifts that fall into the category that Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians in chapter 12 when he starts by saying, now, uh, brothers and sisters, regarding your question about special abilities that the Holy Spirit gives, I don't want you to to misunderstand or remain unaware of it. And so in 1 Corinthians 12, as Paul begins to talk about it, he's talking about something different than that. He's talking about that God has empowered those who are filled with his spirit, those who would say, I have placed my life under the authority of God, the Holy Spirit. I've come into a relationship with him through repentance and faith. He's empowered us then, those who believe in him, with something called spiritual gifts. And this has led the evangelical church in the 1970s and following to a resurgence of wanting to systematize or understand those gifts. And some of this has been helpful. So, you know, as that usually plays itself out, it's things like step one, same as taking, you know, an inventory in your company. Isolate and compile the gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and First Peter 4. Step two, Create an assessment that guides people towards choosing their gifts on this list. Not a bad idea. some of you How many of you have taken some kind of inventory around your spiritual gifts before? Put your hands up <clears throat> all right um, for me, I, I took a lot of those uh, some of the the uh, assessment tools that are out there to me. Felt like they had some flaws in them. So, for example, some of the questions that they ask are fairly obvious or leading questions. So one of the questions I can remember on one of the inventories is, uh, do you often have people into your home for dinner? Hmm, I wonder what gift that could be asking about. Maybe it's the gift of tongues. Maybe Maybe it's the gift of, oh, no, it's hospitality, right, okay, I'll check off, yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes then you kind of want to be perceived as having a gift, and so you kind of slant the test a little bit like, yeah, I think I'll, I'll check that one off. So because it's a little bit obvious, the end result is usually that 80% of the people that take these tests end up with the gift of helps, the ability to help others, because we all want to hopefully be helpful and help other people. So sometimes those tests don't actually get us further in an understanding of where... Uh, we want to talk about with spiritual gifts. So yes, God empowers those who are filled with his spirit with the abilities that the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity gives us. But there's another tier then that's developed in the Christian world, in some parts of it, and it's a little more subtle, but it also has a shadow side. And this tier has emerged either through explicit teaching or maybe from lack of teaching or understanding around operational strategies of thinking about these gifts. And there's some pockets or some conversations that come up that lead us to think sometimes that some spiritual gifts are greater than other spiritual gifts. The language that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 12, if you go to the end of the chapter, he says, eagerly desire greater gifts or eagerly desire the highest gifts. So the question that we want to think about is, are there some gifts that are higher or Or better than other gifts in some way? And it's a question that Paul embeds in his discussion around gifts of tongues and prophecy in particular. Because I think the two of those sometimes fall into that category. So I'll share a little bit of my own personal journey with you. And then we're going to look at the end of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 together For me, I grew up in a very um, conservative uh, Bible church movement, but then when we moved, when I was a teenager to Ontario, I went to high school in Ontario, and I was attending a more charismatic school that believed in the full manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. And this was very new to me. I mean, I had seen some of these things on TV. I had seen some of them or heard some of them talked about, but I hadn't experienced a lot of them. uh, When I was a part of this uh, this high school, we would travel on missions trips to different parts of the world. And I was seeing gifts poured out of gifts of faith, gifts of healing, uh, gifts of experiencing God in new and surprising ways. And so I had to develop a framework or, or, or refresh or rebuild some of my framework because I just hadn't bumped into some of these things before. And so it was a time of growth for me. And the stream of Christianity that I was a part of during that uh, time in high school was a tradition where some of the gifts were given a higher place than other gifts or a different place than other gifts. One of the things that that place emphasized was around the gift of tongues and the fact that in their understanding, the gifts of tongues was given to everyone who was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in other words, what that meant was if you didn't speak in tongues, then you were not filled with the Holy Spirit, and therefore, if you were not filled with the Holy Spirit, then that was suspect. And in fact, sometimes, you know, even your understanding of your salvation could be questioned in that context. And so, what I experienced there was a lot of peer pressure created around that about And especially, you know, time of life and high school and wanting to fit in and all of those things. So there were people, I can remember having discussions with them, who actually faked that they could speak in tongues just so that they could fit in with the in-crew in that tribe. And that, observing that, left me with a hesitancy about the gift of tongues that stuck with me for a long, long time. And maybe that describes some of your experience as well but after developing a hesitancy and almost a skepticism i would say about the gifts and some of those gifts particularly tongues we were on a, a mission trip at one point in cuba and uh, after a sunday morning gathering uh, i was asked if i would pray for a group of pastors that had come and i said well, i guess so sure so i went over and i looked around and i thought these people all speak Spanish. I speak no Spanish at all. I should get an interpreter. So I couldn't find anyone that was connected with our team. So I I asked around and there was a lady from the neighborhood who had come and who wasn't connected with the church there, but who was out and about. And I said, would you just be willing to serve as a translator for me? I have been told I should pray for these pastors. So she said that she was willing. And so I began to pray for the pastors. And I would pray in English and then I would pause and look at her and say, okay, can you translate this into Spanish, which is helpful because then I could think of what I was going to pray for next. And then she would translate it, and then they, would, you know, you could, they were animated in their responses, so they were engaged with it. And after a little while of praying in this way, I could tell that she actually was not translating anymore. And so I went over and said to her, you need to keep going. Like, I'm still praying for these people, and they, I still would love it if you would be still willing to translate. And she said, well, they told me to stop. <laughs> so why did they tell you to stop? And she said, you know, it's the funniest thing. I can't actually explain it. You're praying in English, but they've come and told me that every single one of them can understand what it is that you're saying. And none of them speak English. So they can hear and understand it in Spanish, but I, you're praying in English. And she says, I, something is happening in this moment, in this encounter, and she actually was not a person of faith, and she said, can you explain this to me more? Something about what is happening in this meeting, in this encounter here, I want to know more about the God that you're praying to and about. It touched her in some deep and meaningful way, and as we unpackaged what happened there that afternoon, we don't know what faith transpired or was stirred in her heart, but God used that in an incredible way in her life and also in my life to unlock some of my skepticism and some of my uh, <clears throat> hesitancy around gifts and the way in which the Spirit would pour them out as the Spirit would choose. And so for me, as I unpacked that afternoon and the experience of that, I began to explore and ask people around me, what do you think in the world was going on? And some of them said, well, I wonder if God gave you the gift of tongues and gave them a gift of interpretation in that way that would be consistent with 1 Corinthians 14.22 where it says speaking in tongues can be a sign not just for believers but for unbelievers. And there was a component in that moment where God used that for his glory and glory was given to God as that young woman saw the power of God at work firsthand in prayer. And for me, the messy element of tongues was that I had, I had seen it abused and manipulated and I hadn't seen it lived out in a healthy way. And so I just decided I, just didn't, I was going to stay away from it. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that a person that is gifted with tongues has an incredible ability to speak to God in prayer and to receive strength and power from the Holy Spirit. Remember, Paul is writing into this community to correct some of the things that are going on there that are inappropriate and wrong. And so it would be easy to think then, well, he would just tell them, you know, that whole tongues thing, just stop doing it. It's not helpful for you in any way. But he actually says the opposite. He says in chapter 14, verse 39, he says, don't forbid speaking in tongues. He says, but in fact, be sure that everything is done properly and in order. If you look at chapter 14, verse 27, Paul's correcting them and saying, the problem is just that you have too many people speaking in tongues, and it's going haywire because this is supposed to be an ordered understanding of public worship where people can come and meet with God, and you're creating some chaotic moments in that for people where it's not being exercised wisely and properly, but please keep exercising it, he says. Just make sure you're doing it in a way that is under the control and authority of the Holy Spirit and also in a way that's orderly. So the gift of tongues has a place. And some of us, I wonder, maybe you today have had an experience with the gift or that you have some hurt or baggage related to the gifts of the Spirit, maybe specifically as it relates to tongues. Maybe you too have experienced it in a manipulative way or that it's... um, it's, it's, there's been some baggage there for you. And that scared you away from it. And, and perhaps maybe today you'd like to actually receive prayer for healing from some of that baggage and those experiences. And so we'd love to pray for you and ask that God would graciously release you from some of that uh, baggage and some of that history if you'd like. And maybe God would choose uh, to, to give you gifts of mercy or gifts of healing in that. And so I want to invite you just to consider coming for prayer in the response time afterwards as we respond in worship. But, but the gift of tongues is something that then in the setting that I hung around in was sort of a gift that was, was treated in a different way. And the other gift that was treated very differently was a gift of prophecy. And I began to notice something about this gift that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 that it was um, given or it was understood to be kind of a super gift in some way, like a really big gift. Uh, And I was never quite sure why or what this was all about, but uh, it always seemed when people talked about it to be reserved for people in leadership positions, very public. It was very demonstrative. And I asked around and said, help me understand, I just don't, I'm trying to really wrestle with and understand uh, the gift of prophecy And I was pointed to 1 Corinthians 12, 31, where there was a set of gifts listed and the verse that finishes it was uh, verse 12, chapter 12, verse 31, eagerly desire the greater gifts. And so I was told that if I didn't have greater gifts, any of the gifts that were listed there, an apostolic gift or a prophetic gift or things like that, that maybe it was as a result that my faith was not big enough to handle those gifts. And uh, maybe God hadn't placed me in a position of leadership or authority where I needed any of those gifts in any way. And so I should just be content with the gifts that I had. And it sounded kind of spiritual, although I experienced it as a little bit sort of pedantic and a little bit sort of... Uh, but it, something about that didn't quite sit right with me. Like I knew... I knew that I wasn't a cessationalist. A cessationalist is somebody who believes that the gifts of the Spirit were only for the New Testament apostles, poured out in the first century for the founding of the church, and then after that, done away with, and God doesn't move or work through those gifts anymore. But I didn't know what I was other than that. And so something bothered me about the thinking that some gifts were sort of super gifts uh, only reserved for certain people. And I couldn't put my finger on it for a long time until I began to read a little bit more and understand about 1 Corinthians 12. But 1 Corinthians 12, 31 happens in the context of a discussion of what Paul is saying. So I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to start in verse 14. And I'm going to read through uh, to verse 31, and when we get to verse 27, uh, the text will come up on the screen. So 14 to 27, you'll follow along on your phone or your Bible. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Paul says, yes, Uh, the body, talking about the church, talking about the gathered community, has many different parts, not just one part. Uh, And if the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. And so the eye can never say to the hand, well, I don't need you. And the head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and seem least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts that we sometimes regard as less honorable are those that we clothe with the greatest care. So carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more important parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together in such a way that extra honor and care are given to those parts that actually have less dignity. And this makes for harmony amongst the members so that all the members care for each other. And if one part suffers... Then the other parts suffer with it. And one part is honored, all the other parts are glad. And all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts that God has appointed for the church. First, are apostles. Second are prophets. Third are teachers. Then those who do miracles. Then those who have the gift of healing. Then those who can help others. Those who have the gift of leadership. Those who speak in unknown languages or speak in tongues. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? And the implicit answer that Paul is wanting them to say is, no. Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So, you should earnestly desire, and here's where we get into translation challenges with it. And there's different translations that go in different directions. In verse 31, the King James Version says, earnestly desire the best gifts. The New American Standard says, earnestly desire the greater gifts. The English Standard Version says, earnestly desire the higher gifts or highest gifts. And so anytime we bump into something where there's multiple options available to the translators, you want to pause and do a little bit more work and thinking to try and figure out what is actually going on there. And I think part of the challenge that we get caught up here is that Paul has just actually given us a list. And he's actually... Numbered it. One, two, three, four, all down to eight. He's mentioned eight gifts here. And then the very next thing he says is go after the highest gifts or the best or the greatest or the highest. And so our Western minds are trained to think in very linear formats where we think to ourselves if there's a list, the first thing on the list is the most important thing. And the eight thing on the list, well, that may not be as important as the first thing because otherwise they would have put it number one. And so when we look at a list, and we hear those phrases, then we think, okay, number one gift is apostolic gift. Gifts of, of, that God would give to his church for entrepreneurial leadership, for expanding things, and for really working in an apostolic uh, way or format. And different tribes have different ways of understanding and interpreting what that means and looks like. And then it says, second, prophets, prophetic gifts. So we think to ourselves, okay, well, or maybe you think to yourself, Okay, well, number one is out of my reach. I don't even know what that means. Number two, uh, prophet, that sounds very Old Testament. I'm not 100% sure what that would look like. A teaching gift. Oh, okay, well, that might be accessible for me. Maybe I could go, maybe the highest I could get would be number three on that list in some way. But the challenge for us is that that's not quite what the verse says or is driving at. It's a wrong target for us to understand that the list is a hierarchy, Or a set of positional offices that someone should aspire to. Because Paul, even in his listings, doesn't actually lay out an exhaustive or a list of full overlap between 1 Corinthians, between Romans, between Ephesians. And when he talks about them, he talks about it in the sense of these things being poured out in the life of the church for the good and he's very clear in that section that I read on the body that it's not just about those parts who are important or who have public uh, some element of public ministry to them in any way he talks about it in the language of the body and so reading this as a list a hierarchical list of positions or offices is incongruent with the rest of what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Because the image of the body, the image of the hidden parts, just as important or needing to be honored as much as the public parts is just what he's been talking about here. And he's talking about it again in the context of giving them corrective instructions for their public gatherings together and saying, you guys have the wrong target. You guys are all thinking, I need an apostolic gift or I want a prophetic gift that I can talk all the time about the things that God is telling me and teaching me and things. And so we we get a little bit, misled if we see this as a list and set it up as a target there because the other thing that we need to remember when paul's talking about spiritual gifts is that that would be a wrong motive for us to actually go after something for our own benefit or for some element of publicity in some way because paul continuously reminds us that when it comes to spiritual gifts it's not about the gift itself it's not about the recipient itself him or herself, it is always about the giver of the gift. And so if we go into it with wrong motives about wanting a gift or wanting to aggrandize ourselves, or make sure that our gift and we have a role in some significant way, we miss it and our motives get mixed up. It's always about the giver, always about the community. Because Paul is talking, if we get it into our heads that some gifts are more exciting than others then we let our ego drive the conversation as opposed to letting the Spirit of God choose and distribute the gifts as he so chooses. When we get ambitious for a public nature of the gift, we want it so badly and we overlook the, God, the gifts that God has already given to us. And that's where I think the translation work of the New Living is helpful because it says in verse 31, so you should eagerly desire... Not the greatest, highest, best, but you should eagerly desire the most helpful gifts. The most helpful gifts. Because remember, the wrong motive is to focus on the gift itself. Focus on why the Spirit gave that gift. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, Paul is clear and says, a spiritual gift is is given to each of us so that, so that we can help each other, not so that we look great or so that we can fulfill a role and get any sense of public affirmation for that. But here's where for me the confusion around it had another byproduct. Because I wasn't quite understanding or was still wrestling through what it would mean to think about what Paul's saying about gifts of prophecy in particular. It can become just like tongues if you've uh, experienced that or you don't understand it just to say, I don't want to talk about it or think about it anymore. Sometimes I think the same thing can be true of other gifts like prophecy where we just ignore the conversation altogether say, oh yeah, I took one of those tests. I have the gift of helps. So I can stack a few chairs once in a while if the facilities team needs me, which by the way, they do today. They're a shorter person. So if you can stick around after and stack some chairs, that would be helpful for Andrew. Uh, But, the reason that the grace of God has been poured out in your life is much more significant than that. The reason that the grace of God has been poured out in your life is because he wants us to stand in places where the Spirit of God is moving and at work so we can help one another and see him do amazing things. But the problem, I think, is that sometimes we have got ourselves into places where because we our confusion around it, we've just stepped back from it and said, I don't want to engage in this altogether. Been there, done that. I rode the evangelical movement through the 70s, through the 80s. I did the network thing. I did the shape thing. I did the whatever. So don't bug me about it. But the problem as I see it is that not too many of us, it's not that too many of us know and are activating our gifts that God has given to us. But many of us have actually just stepped back from the conversation altogether and said, I don't want to get messed up with all of that stuff because it's just a little bit too confusing and messy for me. But the challenge is, remember, about inventory, you and I will be held to account for the gifts that God has entrusted to us. And so if God, by his Spirit, has chosen to give you a gift of tongues or prophecy and you just say, it's too too messy, I'm going to check out on it, we will be held to account. And so for... Every gift that God has given to us, to steward it well is important because it behooves us to discover and develop the gifts that God has given to us. If you read through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, some of the strongest language in the entire book of 1 Corinthians is reserved for the discovery, development, and deployment of the gifts of grace that God has given. Chapter 12, verse 31, Paul starts out and says, you need to eagerly or earnestly desire these gifts. In chapter 14, verse 1, he says, you need to desire the gifts that this and abilities that the Spirit gift gives. In chapter 14, 39, he says, be eager to prophesy. Be eager for it. Don't forbid speaking in tongues. See, friends, some of us have an incredible storehouse, an incredible resources and inventory in our storehouse, but we're not moving it or using it in any way. It's sitting stagnant because we haven't discovered and developed it in meaningful ways for use in God's mission. My conviction is that God gives his church everything he needs for the gifts and the calling that he has placed in our lives. And so accompanying that conviction would be that some of you here today would have a gift of prophecy. Well, what could that mean? What could that look like? In the Old Testament, It's actually much more connected with a a role or a function or an office. We think about the prophets in the Old Testament. What were they doing? The role of the prophet was to listen to what God was saying by his spirit and then to tell people what that was. And because the spirit was not poured out on all people in the Old Testament. That was a significant role for them to play. But when we shift into the New Testament, in the book of Acts, we read at Pentecost, one of the things that the uh, Apostle Peter says, and quoting from the Old Testament, is that the Holy Spirit will be poured out on all flesh. And he says specifically, young men and women will dream dreams, men and women will prophesy. And so in the New Testament era, The prophetic gifts, the expression of the gift of prophecy isn't so much a function or role, but it carries that same sense of continuity. What did a prophet do in the Old Testament? They listened to God and they spoke out and declared what it was that God was saying to them. And Paul's expectation here in 1 Corinthians 14 is the same, that those prophetic gifts will be exercised on a regular basis in that way. That people would seek God and seek to understand what it is that God is saying to them, and that they would be bold in declaring that. And so in the Old Testament, that was a foretelling sometimes. God would give... The prophets' wisdom and insight we talk when we come into the season of Advent about the way in which God gifted and spoke to the prophets about the coming Messiah. And so sometimes when we think about prophetic gifts, we think, ooh, that's just freaky weird. I think of like Gandalf and wizardry and all kinds of, you know, is God going to tell me something about the future and all that kind of stuff? But in the New Testament, it's not so much foretelling the future, it's forthtelling, forthtelling the things that God is speaking to us and to you. The people would be seeking God and sharing. And this can happen in non-formal ways. It happens on Wednesday mornings in some of the life journaling groups. When God gives you something to share with another person and you listen to God, you write it down and you encourage them. That can be an evidence or an expression of a prophetic gift, of God is speaking something to you and you have the boldness to share it out. If, in your, in your, as you're praying, God gives you something encouraging to share with somebody, and you send them an email and say, I was thinking about you and praying for you, that can be an expression of prophetic gifts. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And he talks about the person who prophesies in verse 3 strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. And so you can be exercising a gift of prophecy of forth telling God's word in his heart for that person when you send him an email and say, I'm just thinking about you and praying for you today. Some of you do that as you listen to God in prayer. Instead of rushing in with your own thoughts and, and will and intention, some of you are uh, skilled in, in actually sitting and listening to what it is that God would want to say to you and then praying out of that place. That can be an exercise of prophetic gifts. Some of you are excellent teachers. When you share God's word with kids or with youth, Or with people around you in your life group. And you do it with a heart to encourage and to strengthen. And you listen carefully to what it is that God is saying. That can be an exercise of a prophetic gift. And so part of my hope today is that we would listen to God by his spirit and ask God. God, would you be so pleased as to pour out your gifts on your church? For the purposes uh, that are outlined in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 because Paul is clear in 1 Corinthians 14 that the purpose of pouring out these gifts is so that God's heart and his mission would be accomplished in the world. And that happens when we move to places of acknowledging God as the gift giver and surrendering our lives and our hearts to him. And so one of the questions that we have to ask when we come into this topic of spiritual gifts is, what could happen in your life if you surrendered to God and you allowed his spirit to move and to use the gifts that he has given to you? For some of you, that might be a question that you've not explored before. Or it might be a question that you've thought, you know what? I don't know if I'm even comfortable with asking that question because God might answer that question in a way that doesn't fit with some of my pre-existing notions. Maybe you're here today and you say, I don't know that I actually have ever surrendered my life to God and the Holy Spirit in repentance and faith. So this sounds absolutely uh, off the charts weird to me that we would talk about things like this. But if you are here today and you don't know God, there is something maybe that God is stirring in your heart. And that's a gift that he wants to give you by his spirit, the gift of repentance and faith. And so maybe that's the gift that God wants to pour out in your life today, that you would surrender to God and open your heart and your life to him. And that would be the best decision of your life because it would be one that has eternal impact and be the best gift that you could ever receive. And so today maybe you want to acknowledge God as the gift giver for you. Maybe for you, you've been around for a while in the Christian movement and you say to yourself, yeah, I don't know. I just have stepped away from the conversation about spiritual gifts because it's so confusing. There's so many opinions. There's mismanagement. There's hurt us attached to that. Maybe today you need to commit to a journey of discovery and development and deployment. Maybe in a fresh way or a renewed way for you. Maybe because you need to become a student again of what it is that God is doing in your own life and in your own heart. How has God wired you up? What are the opportunities that he's putting in front of your path that he might desire for you to use the gifts that he has given to you? And if you need help along that journey, as I I certainly did when I was trying to wrestle with some of these things and still wrestle with them and what that looks like, uh, we have our, our inventory that is not a checkbox inventory that we've used repeatedly over the years here at Jericho, and many have found it helpful. Uh, It's called a Personal Ministry Resource Inventory. And it's a series of questions around different aspects of everything from significant abilities to experiences that God has placed in your life, extraordinary experiences, a sense of God's calling, is there areas where you've been fruitful? Uh, it will take you a while to fill it out. So that's probably why the checkbox thing is a little bit more appealing because it's faster and easier. This you have to do a little bit more work and study. But it's been worth it for everybody that I've encountered here at Jericho that's explored that process. Uh, most recently, uh, Sachi sat down with Pastor Keith and did a great job of exploring that uh, together And so there's copies of that available at the Welcome Center. And so if you say, I, I think I'd like to step out in that journey a little bit, and maybe you want to set up a time uh, to talk about that, go and get a copy of that and take it home and then let me know and we'll work together on what it would look like to do that take-home tool. Because as Jericho Ridge and here as the leaders, it's important to us that we steward the gifts well that God has entrusted to your church. And so if we don't help you in significant ways, discover and deploy those gifts in meaningful ways, God will also have an accountability conversation with us. And so we want to walk out and help you develop and discover and deploy your gifts. Because we also understand that there is an accountability for this. And so the accountability comes when we maybe under or misuse resources. And so one of the things that, for me, is important for us to do is make sure that here at Jericho that we are actively listening to God by his Holy Spirit and through his Holy Spirit and moving into places where God is leading and guiding and directing by his Spirit. And that will mean that collectively we will need to exercise our gifts because Paul says we can't do this alone. We can't just all be eyes or all be ears or all be feet or all be anything. We have to do this together as a body because otherwise we will misuse resources. And so it's important to help other people around you discover the gifts that God has placed in their lives. And so it might be your takeaway this week to actually just one conversation as you go through the week to be asking God by his spirit, God, what could I affirm in another person's life? What could I speak into their life as a word of blessing and say, you know what, have you ever thought that God may have given you the gift of encouragement? Because every time we talk, I walk away feeling encouraged. Do you ever think that God has given you a prophetic gift? Because every time you speak, it, it's, it stirs something up in me that I think that maybe you've been listening to God's spirit in a way that's helpful and challenges me deeply, and I want to grow in that. What would it look like if everyone around Jericho took responsibility to nurture and develop the gift's that God has placed in this and release and leverage them for the mission of God by the power of the Holy Spirit in the world. It'd be an incredible result because it would be deeply depending on God's Spirit, which is one of our outcomes that we've set for ourselves as a church in this season, as opposed to just trying to figure it all out by ourselves and then think we have a little bit of extra resources that God's given us by his spirit. Now invert that process and help nurture and design and discover and deploy the gifts that God has given to you and to those around you. We're going to move into a time of prayer response today as we often do. And Dustin and the team are going to come and lead us in a few songs of worship. And I want to remind you that our prayer team is available for you at the side. Katie and I will be over at the side. And if you want to... Uh, pray and ask that God would stir up gifts uh, that are in your life and maybe they've grown cold or maybe you say, I just need to discover again those gifts that God has given to me. i invite you to come for prayer. We would love to pray that for you. Maybe there's an area of your life that you want to surrender to God and say, you know, I've had areas of past hurt in this and I want to just ask that God would release healing and forgiveness in my own heart and life. God has a desire to release his Holy Spirit into your life today and release gifts in your life that are helpful for his body and for his mission in the world. And so I'd invite you to stand with me and we'll respond together uh, to God in worship and prayer. So let's stand together and I want to pray for you as we respond. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Uh, You are welcome in my life, in my heart, in the life of your church. We want to understand, Jesus, the gifts that you have given and placed uh, into this body because your word reminds us that the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. And so they're to be exercised. And so, God, we want to do that, and we want to step out into places of faith. We want to step out into places where we acknowledge And walk in obedience to you and ask that it be your wisdom and the Holy Spirit uh, that would guide us. And so, Father, I pray that you would stir up gifts that have been long dormant in people's lives today. I pray you'd stir up prophetic gifts to listen to you and to, to speak out the things that you are talking and sharing and whispering to us. I pray you'd stir up gifts of leadership, gifts of faith, gifts of encouragement, gifts of healing, gifts of tongues, All of the gifts, Father, of your spirit, we want to be a place that exercises them under your leadership in ways that are wise and helpful and and are submitted to you ultimately as the giver of gifts, God. And so, God, would you gift us with wisdom to do that? Would you gift us with humility uh, for each other's faults and attempts in that? Would you gift us with everything that we need by your spirit, Father? And so we move into this time of responding to you uh, in prayer and in worship and in faith, we pray that you would stir it up in our hearts, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.